As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. This is the word of the Lord. Hey, everyone. Uh, everyone can hear me okay? We're all good? Okay. Really good to see faces here this morning. Um, really refreshed by it. Hey, um, my name is Ben, and uh, I'm a worship leader here. It's a, a real honor to come and be here before you to um, preach God's Word. And I hope, I hope and pray that you guys are helped by it today. Um, the Word of the Lord has a way of not only helping, but doing something totally different. The Word of the Lord changes, like it transforms our, the way we work, the way we think. Um, it, like I had said this before um, in leading worship one time, like it's not your average textbook. It's not just a helpful little tool guide. Um, to a better way of living. But it actually does the work of changing and transforming your motives and everything else in between. So we uh, here at Coa Somerville really ha- hold true to the word. Like we have a high view of scripture here. Um, and if you have questions about that, we'd love to talk to you about it. And if you don't have a Bible, you can just, you can, we have Bibles we could probably just give you. Um, we really value the Word of God. So thank you, Jeremy, for reading it for us this morning. Um, today, uh, I'm going to be talking about friendship. Um, more in particular, the friendship between these two guys, uh, Jonathan and David. Jonathan and David. So before I do that, though, I'm going to pray. Jesus, I need your help. I pray you would come uh, into this place and do, do a work that um, only gives credit to your name. Um, this is not about, this is not about um, me or anybody in here. This is about you and your glory. I pray you would just come and do a work this morning through this word, that you do the work of changing people's hearts through your word, through your spirit. You alone can do that, and we need you to come now, I pray in your name. Amen. So, just for introductory sake, uh, we're going through the life of David. We're talking about this guy, David. Um, And last week, Fletcher had gone and talked to us about the jealousy uh, that Saul had for David. Now, his life up to this point hasn't moved much. Um, he had just defeated this, this giant, this monster of a man named Goliath. That's where we're at at this point of the story. That is um, the same place we're at where he had met Jonathan, is right after David had defeated Goliath, which really got a lot of attention for him, right? Really kind of uh, got Saul upset and jealous, as we see um, in 18.9 there, like Saul's eye was on David from that point on. Um, and also in 29, he continued uh, to he continued to hate 
David and want to see him dead. And so we see that, we see that, that story continue through the friendship of Jonathan and David. But why are we talking about friendship here? I just wanted to start um, by suggesting that um, the story of Scripture embedded in it is, is the story of friendship. If we think back to some of the first words that came pouring out of the mouth of God, some of the first words that God would say from, um, from creation uh, are these words. It is not good. It is not good uh, for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. Now, if we take his word seriously, if we take his spoken word seriously, we should consider that. We should, we should, bear, we should consider that word. It is not good for man to be alone. But what does God do in his, in his creative power? He forms and creates Eve. And then what does he say after that? He doesn't just say, oh, this is good. He says, this is very good. So he goes from saying, this is not good for man to be alone, skipping good in between and saying, this is very good. This is, very, this is a very good thing. Um, now, more in particular, my point to marriage, yes, but also the fact that being alone is not good. Like, we were made for friendship. We were made for companionship. We were not made to be alone. We were not made to be alone. Uh, more specifically, right, we were made in God's image. Um, now, how does God speak of his image? He would say this, we have made him in our image. We've made him in our image. He doesn't say, I've made him in my image. Um, he says, I've made him in our image. Well, what is that telling us? Well, God is, tri he's triune, right? He's not, God is not alone in and of himself. He's relational. He's communal. And that's an important aspect because we as humans were created in his image. We were created not to be alone, friends. We were created for people. We were, we were created for companionship. And if God says that it's very good for us to be with each other, then we should believe him. If God says it's very good for us to be with each other, we should believe him. So what does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean to be a friend? Today we're going to explore the deep friendship of David and Jonathan. Uh, we'll discover three key parts of friendship as we do so. First, friends are open friends are open. Uh, secondly, friends are committed. And thirdly, friends are sacrificial. Friends are open, friends are committed, and fr uh, friends are sacrificial. So first, friends are open. Read with me um, our first verse, 1 Samuel, chapter, uh, 1 Samuel 18, 1. As soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Jonathan opened up his heart to David. 
David opened up his heart to Jonathan. It's without a doubt, true lasting friendship consists of being transparent with each other. Being transparent, that is being open with one another. This is what we see here in verse 1. But what does it mean to be transparent with one another? What does it mean to be transparent with one another? Uh, I had the privilege um, last week of sitting in the sun. Um, I think it was on a Wednesday. It was a beautiful day. (laughs) And enjoying a cup of coffee with a friend of mine. Um, He he gave me a helpful picture in describing what's going on here in verse 1. He used the imagery of the heart as a sort of home. The door to the house of every person's heart is closed until they let someone come inside. So he, he helped me with this picture of the, the heart as a home. And when you invite somebody into your home, you open your door, and that's the first step to friendship, is you open the door of your heart to somebody. Now, depending on who you are and how you work and, and, um, and what the inside of your house looks like, what the inside of your heart looks like, <laughs> um, if you were to come and walk into my house, it would look a lot different than your house, I'm sure. <laughs> like, we are, st- <laughs> you'll find uh, magnets on the ground, probably, um, You'll find a dog greeting you with way too much energy. You'll find my kids getting uncomfortably close to you, maybe, uh, depending. I don't know what you'll find if you come into my house. But the first step of friendship is letting somebody in. That's the first step of friendship, is letting somebody in to come and see what the heck is going on in this person. So, I mean, it might be just like sitting down and being like, I remember Elizabeth and I, our first one of our first dates, Sitting down and be like, hey, I, um, I live in Kansas City. Where do you live? Oh, nice. Very good. Um, what, like, what, uh, we mostly laughed. What kind of music do you like? Oh, I, I do too. Me too. I, I like that same kind of music. Oh, great. We got music going for us. But that, that's the initial opening. You're seeing the furniture of the house. You're seeing how things are arranged. You know, there might be some laundry on the floor that will make you upset over time. Um, the windows might not be clean, uh, or they might be really clean, just depending. But what we end up seeing happen is that is the initial start of a friendship, to be transparent, is to be open. Um, But over time, and friends, we want this church to be a safe place, right? We value safety and time, because what we realize is we can't build community apart from safety and time. We can't. We cannot build community apart from safety and time. Some people think they can have these things without those two pieces, and that is impossible. Because you may walk into the house surface level looking, and that's okay, but what you'll find is there are some doors in that house that are locked shut tight. And will this friend of yours ever unlock that door for you to see? Maybe not. Um, what's lurking behind those locked doors? Many hurts. Hurts are, are, hurts are not easy to, to be open about with others. Weaknesses, um, flaws, 
past regrets, past decisions made that you never made, um, sin, right? These things are, are behind locked doors. And through grace, through the grace of Jesus over time and safety, those things um, may or may not, you know, those, some of those doors may never open to your friends. Some of those doors you'll never, ever feel comfortable opening up to your friends. And Jonathan and David had this relationship where they were open with each other. He loved this brother, and he loved him back. And, and that's, that's, that's the beauty of friendship is an openness. But also, that is the danger of friendship because you open yourself up, and that's dangerous unless you really know the person and trust the person. So friends are open with each other. But transparency, you know, transparency, this idea of openness, it may have let you into the house of a heart, but it is only through constancy, true lasting friendship can develop over time. It is only through commitment or constancy that the doors of a heart are unlocked and opened. And this will move us to our second point of the sermon today, which is friends are not only open, but friends are committed. Friends are committed. And we see that um, in verse 3. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Because he loved him with his own soul. Elizabeth and I would later, once walking into this first date, would later make a covenant with one another to be committed to each other. That is a forever commitment. But commitment, committed to what? Now this is the question. And this was really getting me going this week thinking about Committed to what? Committed to each other? Yeah. But do you know how we can stay together? Like, if I'm fully committed to Elizabeth for Elizabeth's sake alone, and there's nothing in between our commitment, then we don't really have much going. Because friendship is about something. Friendship has to be about something. What we learn in this story is we, uh, later on, when Jonathan and David are forced to separate, when they're forced to, to leave each other, we see that the covenant is renewed. We see that in uh, chapter 20, verse 42, when, when he says, the Lord is between us. The Lord is between me and you, and the Lord is between my offspring and your offspring. What's Jonathan and David saying? We're friends because we're committed to the Lord. Our commitment to the Lord is the glue of our friendship. Friendship has to be about something. If it's about nothing, you don't have a friendship. C.S. Lewis says it this way, um, the very condition of having friends is that we should want something else besides friends. Where the truthful answer to the question, do you see the same truth, would be, I see nothing and I don't care about the truth. I only want a friend. No friendship can arise, though affection may. There would be nothing for the friendship to be about, and friendship must be about something. Those who have nothing can share nothing. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow, fellow companion or traveler. Those who are going nowhere can have no fellow travelers. 
So friendship has to be about something. So what was the friendship? Um, now, I've already mentioned this. The Lord is what the friendship of David and Jonathan was about. Their commitment to the Lord was uh, glued their friendship together. It was also the steadfast, this, this word steadfast, which I love because we're talking about constancy. constancy. This word steadfast is really important. Jonathan had a steadfast, constant, steady friendship with David because it was established in the steadfastness of the love of the Lord. We could, we could say this, God alone is steadfast, therefore God alone sustains true friendship. God alone is steadfast, therefore God alone can sustain a true friendship. You can put anything you want in between your friendship, that's okay. Your friendship can be about hockey, it could be about making a bunch of money, and that's like what's gluing your friendships together, and that's okay, you can do that. But what ends up happening is like, okay, eventually hockey goes away, eventually you might run out of money, and then you lose your friend. Like, you lose your money, you lose your friend, because our friendship was about that thing. What I'm, what I'm saying is that the Lord, the Lord is steadfast. Like, that, the Lord doesn't move. He doesn't change. If your friendship is rooted in Him, your friendship will flourish forever. If your friendship is rooted in the Lord, your friendship will flourish forever. Like, it's okay to like, like hockey and other sports and like be excited about those things. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that. But ultimately what it comes down to is your friendship, I'm suggesting your friendship should be uh, about honoring the Lord and serving Him with your life. In verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 14, David says these words, If I'm still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord, that I may not die. If I'm still alive, show me the steadfast love of the Lord, that I may not die. True friends remind the other friend of the constant love that God has for us. True friends remind the other friends remind the other friend of the constant love God has for us. True friends make you love the one thing the friendship is about. True friends make you love the one thing that the friendship is about more and more and more. It's a reminder. It's a covenant. It's like renewing the covenant. This is what our friendship is about, especially when there's suffering and all kinds of other things that can come and plague a friendship. Those reminders of this is what our friendship is about keeps the friendship going. And often we look to lesser things to sustain our friendships. And I'm guilty of that. We look to lesser things to sustain our friendships when we should only look into Jesus to be sustaining our friendships. He's the only one who can. True friends make you want to love Jesus more and more. And I just say that because um, I've experienced that in my life. Where I've, I, I know this person loves me because this person loves Jesus. I know this person, I know I can trust this person with my life because this person has trusted Jesus with theirs. And they will show off the glory of Christ. I know I'm skipping to Jesus, I'm sorry. But this person will show off the glory of Christ and make me want to love Christ. 
Now, if you want to show off how awesome your car is to make me love your car, whatever. Like, the glory of Jesus is better than that. Um, so your real friends are the friends that make you want to love Jesus more and more. Um, just a side note here about commitment. Uh, one of our, our community commitments here at Coa Somerville is community requires commitment before certainty. Community requires commitment before certainty. So when you commit to membership here, you're saying, I'm committed to this church. Whether or not it means it gives me my needs, I'm making a commitment to be about what this church is about. And guess what? Guess what this church is about? It's, just, it's about what I just said, like what I was talking about. It's not about like, it's not about me being good at playing whatever or singing or it's not about Pletcher being good at, you know, stuff. <laughs> this church is about the glory of Christ. This church is about gospel. It's about the gospel. So making a commitment to this church is making a commitment to that. And that, that is what keeps us together. If you're, if you're coming here and you're really hoping that someday we'll get our act together, I don't know. Um, I am not. <laughs> Christ has his act together. He's our king and he is who we worship. So how do we see this commitment work in the friendship of Jonathan and David? I wanted to touch on this. Um, we know the story from last week. The jealousy of Saul controlled him. Um, 18.9, Saul eyed David, and I absolutely loved Fletcher's picture of the glasses of jealousy going on, and he could only see David through the eye of jealousy. That's a very strong picture. Um, we also see in chapter 18, verse 29, that Saul was David's enemy continually. Now, what, what I want to point out here is this idea of covenant. And I know I'm sticking on this idea of commitment. But David's commitment, or Jonathan's commitment to David, bookends, uh, bookends a mess of, of events that Fletcher did a really good job of fleshing out last week. So if you haven't heard those, check out the podcast. There, there's a mass amount of events where Saul is giving David hell. He is chasing him down. He is trying to kill him. Um, and their friendship bookends that, uh, that chaos. Tim Keller says it this way. The friendship with Jonathan literally contained the evil. It didn't just drown David. It made it containable. It made it bearable. It made it survivable. <laughs> he never would have made it without the friendship of David. He never would have made it without the friendship of David. Uh, their friendship made the evil containable. It made it survivable. It made it the whole thing. I just repeated the quote, essentially. But it made the whole thing, like, livable. Friendship can do that in life. Really good friends that point you to the glory of God can take you through troubles of life. Um, like anything, like unlike anything else. So the covenant that Jonathan made with David held them together through the raging storm that Saul was creating. This is the power of a committed friendship, church. That is the power of a committed friendship. Lastly, friends 
sacrifice. Friends are sacrificial. Immediately following this covenant of friendship, we see drastic sacrifice take place. Um, read, read with me in verse 4 of, this, of our text. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and bow and belt. Um, I would like to point out the fact that these are not small sacrifices. These are not small sacrifices. I know we have a hard time reading these and we're like, dude, I don't got a robe and a sword and I don't got a, I don't have a, I mean, I have a belt. <laughs> I'll never forget. This is obviously not my sermon notes. <laughs> and uh, I'll never forget elementary school. Well, not elementary. I think it was middle school. And my teacher was like, Ben, do you want to be a man? You need to get a belt. <laughs> and I got one. <laughs> but, like, we look at these sacrifices and we're like, ah. I don't really understand the weight of these. Well, I want to help you just briefly on it. Uh, The robe (laughs) um, equals the throne. All right, that's big. That's not a good idea to give somebody your kingly rights. That that was not smart of Jonathan. But that's what he did. That's what he sacrificed. He sacrificed the throne. Jonathan hands David his kingly rights. The sword... Uh, the sword is equal to his devote service. Jonathan gives David his loyalty in life and or death. He's saying, hey, I'm going to sacrifice everything. Like, this is everything I have. My kingly rights, my service to you. Like, that's, that's real sacrifice. This was a big deal. Not only did it mean that he will not claim kingship, but it puts him at odds with his, with his father, right? It puts him at odds with Saul. It makes that relationship very awkward, as, we'll see, as you can see in the text, if you were to read the story. It makes, it makes it very awkward. Time and time again, we see him endanger himself for the sake of David. Now, I do really do want to make a jump to Jesus. Not a jump, but I want us to get to him, because otherwise we're not getting to where we need to, to be. Um, And so I I want to do that. So as we contemplate the sacrificial life of Jonathan, we cannot help but think on Jesus as the truest of all friends. I want to close this sermon with three observations about Christ as our true friend. First, Jesus is open. Jesus is open. Second, Jesus is committed. And lastly, Jesus is sacrificial. And I'll try to do this quickly. Jesus is open. The friendship of Jesus is seen most vividly as he opened himself to put on flesh and walk among us. To breathe as we breathe. To breathe as we breathe. He didn't have to do that. To breathe as we, to feel as we feel. To hurt as we hurt to suffer as we suffer, 
Jesus has opened up himself in such a powerful way. He's opened up himself in such a powerful way. There are no locked doors in the heart of Jesus. They are all open for you to look and to see. He has completely opened himself up. He hasn't held back anything. Your friends will fail you in this. Your friends don't trust you. They don't trust you as much as you may think. Jesus is the only one trustworthy in this way fully. He is fully trustworthy in this way. He has completely opened himself up. He's completely made himself vulnerable to you. He hasn't held anything back. He is the best of best friends. He is the only friend you can trust fully. He's opened himself up to you like this. Hebrews 2.14 says this, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he, now find comfort in this, because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Friends, the heart of Jesus is open to you. Uh, Jesus is committed to you. Jesus saw and felt the cross before nailed to it. We see this in the Gospels, right? Jesus Christ was committed to the cross. He was unmovable. There was a guy who once tried to get in his way and say, hey, this is a bad plan. You guys remember Peter? Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is a bad plan. Um, Jesus thinking, what, what the, who do I have? Like, what am I dealing with here? This guy's trying to tell me that I have a bad plan. <laughs> hey, this whole thing about you going to the cross, not a good idea. Let's change that plan. Like, this, this plan is terrible, Jesus. But you know what Jesus did? Uh, Peter, I love you too much for you to be like that. Get behind me, Satan. And he's moving forward. His eyes fixed on the cross. Jesus would not have it. He knew that uh, he knew what he needed to do for his friends, even if his friends didn't understand. He knew what he needed to do for his friends, even if his friends didn't understand. And honestly, I would be Peter in that situation. Okay? I would be the guy being like, come on, man, let's, let's just go get a cappuccino or something. <laughs> why, why are we talking about death and stuff? I would not, you know, but he knows what we need. And, and he was committed fully to the cross. His eyes were setting on it. And he went and he committed himself to it for us. Which gets me to the last point here about um, Jesus is the truest of true friends. Is that Jesus is sacrificial. John 15, 13 through 15 says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Friends, Jesus laid down his life for you. Like Jonathan, he took off his robe, laying his rights down. He took off his sword, leaving him vulnerable and open for hurt. The love of his friendship surpasses any other because the depth of his sacrifice drives deeper than any other. 
That's good news. Jesus is a true friend. I hope you've been encouraged by that. I hope, you, I, I hope you've been compelled to love him more than ever before. And to, and to pursue friendship with other people around Christ. Because friendship is a really sweet gift that God gives to us and to his church. Uh, just a warning. Letting Jesus into your life will hurt. Um, like a surgeon with a scalpel, he must do surgery. But we can trust Jesus with our hearts. We can trust him. We can let Jesus open some doors. We can, we can trust him. He's trustworthy. One of the ways we respond to the word preached is, bar- is um, by participating in a family meal. Uh, we do this remembering the work Jesus has done for us on our behalf. That he has been the truest of true friends. He has opened himself up to us. He has committed himself to the cross. And he has given himself up for us as a sacrifice in order that we may have life with God forever. Um, If you're a believer here with us today, uh, we would strongly suggest that you participate with us in this family meal. Um, If you are not yet, if you have not yet seen Christ Jesus as your truest of true friends, if you have not yet seen, um, if you have not yet committed yourself to Christ Jesus, we would um, we would suggest that you don't take this meal with us, but that you take Jesus instead. So we're going we're gonna to participate in the Lord's table now. If you want to stand with me and pray, that'd be great. Uh, Jesus, you are the truest of true friends. And I thank you and praise you for your word and how you've even shown that to us in the friendship of Jonathan and David. God, we long for that kind of friendship. That kind of friendship is something that we long for, and it's something that's rare to come by nowadays. We find our community in other places that um, they don't give us this kind of depth of friendship. But God, I pray, I pray for this kind of friendship to develop in this church. I pray, God, you would do that work, that you would develop deep, rich, true friendships grounded in the gospel in this church. I pray you would do that. Um, Thank you for this opportunity, God, for us to um, remember your sacrifice, to remember that your body was broken and that your blood was shed for us on our behalf. Um, We love you and we praise your name. Amen.